0: Welcome back, everybody. This is T. Cole Newton coming to you as always, pre recorded from my Mid City Bar 12 Mile Limit. You're listening to A Round with Stephen Cole. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself, faithful co host?
1: Steve Yamada here, as always. I enjoy my time here on an empty bar 12 Mile Limit. I'll soon be full of people, locals, neighbors, uh, drying out from this uh, crazy weather we've been having recently. Um, luckily it didn't, it didn't flood here at 12 mile limit.
0: No, we just got a drizzle here today. It's uh, Thursday, we were told this morning at 3am very urgently that we should prepare for the worst and it seems like that may have been, uh... Uh, a bit of an overstatement but i would rather have more warning than we need than less like we had last saturday
1: so i closed the bar last night and i i was like you know in bed watching tv kind of drifting off to sleep when that like you know, there's that thing now where the emergency broadcast goes out on everybody's phones so like it makes that horrifying like raw, 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 noise and you just know that you're about to read a really bad piece of advice like a kidnapped child or like a tornado bearing down on you mm-hmm. so then like i'm i'm awoken while i'm in my safe place to this noise and, uh, I read it and it's just, it's, it said like the pumping stations aren't working. It's just like. Oh my god. What does that mean? Like it was so so bizarre, but I mean like there's no issues right now. Uh the the drama's unfolding with the city. It's pretty crazy at the moment. For those of you who don't live in New Orleans, if you want to um just have a great bit of city planning drama to read, uh check yeah. out what's happening in the city right now. It's pretty crazy. Yeah,
0: we're getting some national coverage. I saw some headlines in the Washington Post about it. That's where I get most of my news these days. Um mm. uh, but after, just check out our bar's Facebook page, you can see exactly how close we ha- got to having a really different weekend. It was within an inch of basically coating the the, the floor and then I mean <laughs> it could it could have kept going that's the thing it like we, we, it got very high uh, we're on a little bit of a ridge here just right at this intersection. <laughs> So, That's why you bought this bar, right, Cole? I, yes. <laughs> uh, but, no, I mean, but yeah, we we got lucky, and it, we might not be so lucky next time. But we're going to talk in a future episode about flooding, so stay tuned for that. This week, though, we have our friend, uh, Steve's co-worker at Latitude Woo-hoo. 29, former USBG New Orleans president, uh, and, uh, and bar luminary in, in the city, Kimberly <laughs> Patton Bragg. Why don't you say hey, Kim?
2: Hello. Hello, Kim.
0: And among other responsibilities that Kim has taken on, she is a minister? Is that what it's? Uh, uh, officiant. Efficient. Efficient. You're just an efficient. Yeah, did yeah. you do the, like, the Universal Life Church oh, sign-up? Uh, gotta... I did, yeah. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. I think so I guess reverend, it's
2: cons- yeah, reverend, reverend. Yeah,
0: reverend, I, yeah. I, I'm a reverend, too, yeah. from, from just dicking around online dude, during I, high school. Dude, I got <laughs> like, sure, high a with reverend.
2: a band in 92, and next thing you know, I got a legal document in the mail. So, nice. yeah, that's basically where that came from. But efficient in, of weddings, including but not limited to... My wedding. Yep, That was so, so fun. <laughs> I'm really
0: glad you had a good time. I, I did. That time. was actually the first
2: was... wedding I had performed. So, really? Yeah. You know, so you got yeah. in
0: 1992. We got married in
2: 2014.
0: Yeah. yeah. That Lelia. sounds right. 2018, I remember my wedding day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was right after I quit drinking, so I remember right. my <laughs> wedding day. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I did not quit, I did not quit drinking landmark. during your wedding. <laughs> <Just> yeah, <so. laughs> uh, but yeah, ten, eighteen, fourteen. So, but but that was like twenty, thirty-two years, twenty-two years, ninety-two yeah. to twenty-fourteen. Yeah, that I didn't even was, think about it. Wow, and, just a just yeah. a wasted I know. afternoon. All the people I could have
2: <laughs> helped to make horrible decisions. No, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> I actually really love marriage. I've been married forever. So yeah, how long have you been married? I'd say we've been together. I think twenty-two years, and we got married in oh four so um good start yeah long time and i still (laughs) like the dude so yeah that's a that's a key. Yeah, it is, it is. <laughs> and he puts up with my bullshit really, so it's, it's, that's, that's, that's even more key. That's so. a necessary
0: but not sufficient condition, which yes. means you're not going to have anything work out if you don't like each other. Oh, totally. It, you also need to do other stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was.
1: I thought the key to marriage was grudgingly accept each other and then get a dog and then have kids to sustain yes, the marriage. Yes, I thought that just was just give each other
0: marriage. something to talk about.
1: Anywho, <laughs> uh, so um, exactly. you know, a lot of emotions get brought up with uh, like some bad weather and everything that's happening. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I thought about. Because can we talk about you coming on to the podcast for a while? Yeah. And, I mean, you were just in Dallas recently uh, for Bar Institute, um, yep. which is an event held by Lush Life Productions. Uh, that is uh, an educational opportunity for people in the industry. And it also is a great platform to allow people in the industry the opportunity to present ideas and classes that they absolutely. think are absolutely. Um, so it was really great. It was cool to see it was that. Fun. Yeah, it was a really great event. It was great to see that you were there. It was um, I got to teach a couple classes. Uh, Jeff Knott was yeah. there. A lot, of, a lot of our friends were were uh, presenting different information, and I was surprised with the quality and uh, just the diversity of the programming. That I was agree offered. with
2: that completely. It wasn't it, it wasn't uh, all standard. How to be a brand ambassador? How to do this or whatever? Or let's talk about gin. Um, it was it was very diverse with the topics. Right. So um, I was very pleased to see that. Cool.
1: But it made me think uh, more than anything about the perseverance in this industry and kind of like, you know, bartending is going through this. You know, we've gone through the cocktail boom. I think we're at either yeah. the crest or we're at the decline of what was the big cocktail boom. It's becoming a little more mass market. It's becoming much more, it's starting to penetrate tertiary and like, you know, like
2: yeah.
0: secondary
1: markets. I don't
2: think it's I mean, precious like, it's anymore. I guess. Yeah. Well, what, there's know, like I, a
0: half dozen places where you can get a properly made Negroni in Oklahoma City or absolutely. Boise. Yeah. I mean, exactly. that's what we're, where we're at now. It's, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's,
1: It's established. Which was the whole point of the quote-unquote cocktail revolution, which is really great. Sure. The thing that I'm interested to see at this point is, you know, bartending will always be seen as a cool profession. It's now being perceived as a profession – that um, is something that can be long-term. This is a career. Yeah. This is a craft. I'm an artist at what I'm doing. Um, I'm wondering if that luster wears off at a point. Like, me and you both have, me, all three of us at the table at this point, have careers that span the point of, like, hey, you know, this isn't as glamorous as a job. I mean, it no. still has some really great perks, yeah. but it is a job at this point. I think that like, yeah. we've gotten past the point where, like, this is fun, and we're having a lot of fun all the time. Oh, yeah. It's like, I have a lot of fun while I'm working, but it's definitely is a
0: job that I have to take seriously. And that's, yeah, that it's definitely, I mean, I do still enjoy it. I mm -hmm. don't know that I would be doing it still if I didn't enjoy it, except it's something that I'm good at. That's another factor that is like, just lean into your skills. Right, absolutely. Um, But yeah, it's...
2: But it's, it is a job. You're yeah, still you cleaning vomit seriously. and fixing toilets <laughs> and, you know, getting cut on, you know, pieces of glass and all that. It's it it, it, it happens, you yeah. know. Um, but I I do love it, you know. But I think it's also you have to figure out what kind of bartender you are. And that changes over the years, too. Mm-hmm. It's like I know uh, the reason why I didn't go back to Frenchman is they have, you know, extended hours. And, uh, man, I'm just too old to be dealing with – Frenchman Street a- until four o'clock in the morning, yeah. you know? I mean, ask me that same question, you know, 20 years ago. Hell yeah, I'd be all up in it, you know? But right. just too old for that, you know? So I. I, I think your career changes a little bit as you as you age, just like any other cool. job, you know? So, so
1: let's talk about careers. Let's talk about longevity in the in the industry. Let's go ahead and start back at the beginning for you, Kim, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people a lot of people know bits and pieces of your stories. We were chit chatting a little bit before we hit the record button on right. our uh, little device on the table here. And um you know, you, you mentioned, uh, somebody mentioned something about you. It was like, I've known you for years now and I yeah. didn't know that about you. So let's, uh, let's hit some highlights for you, how you got into the industry and just, uh, go on on it.
2: Yeah. It's, it's kind of, um, all roads lead to this type of thing. Um, I was uh, born in a dry county in Alabama and my dad loves scotch. So we got the hell out of there and went back to Jacksonville. <laughs> um, and, um, my great aunt was uh, the first woman to ever get quick- kicked out of Sweet Briar College, and it was for making bathtub gin during Prohibition in her dorm room. Uh. Um, and um, I, at nine years old, I was uh, that annoying kid who wanted to help at the, uh, at the, uh, uh, the golf ninth hole, little watering hole, and mm-hmm. mixing grapefruit and prune juices for old dudes, um, <laughs> you know, so it's always, it started, you know, Um I started in the industry. I think my first restaurant job was at Ruby Tuesdays, I Wicked. think. That's yeah. Awesome. I think everybody needs to do a, a, a turn in one of those massive chains. you oh, know? Yeah. I kind of
0: regret
1: that it, I didn't yeah. ever work like it was It
2: was horrible, Friday's you know, definitely. Like you know, I
1: regret lines. nothing. For my time with Bubba Gumps, I, I will still look at that as my – I've had a lot of fun outside of working in chain restaurants, but I never had the, as much fun as when I was just a server and a bartender yeah. at a chain restaurant. That was – that was good times.
2: Yeah, I think it was our location sucked and all that kind of stuff. I remember uh, I had this brunch of like, you know, 30 children and parents and stuff like that. And the check was like $30 or something, and they paid in rolls of quarters. And so <laughs> I got bruises on my thighs from working the rest of the shift from those things whacking my thigh and my apron. Um, uh, then I worked at uh, Fine Dining in uh, Jacksonville. Um, and, uh, my husband, actually, I got him a job there as a busboy. boy. He was my bus boy there for a while. Um, and that's when I first started bartending. We didn't have a bartender per se, so mm-hmm. we would have to make our own drinks. And I mean, it's fine dining in, in Florida. It's, you know, it, it was rusty nails. It was a lot of wine, it, you know, an old fashioned every now and then, mm-hmm. which I'm sure I made terribly, you know, looking back now. Um, and, uh, and God, what did I do? Um. Moved to New York. Um, and I was a manager and buyer of a toy store for six and a half years in Soho. And I never made less money and was never more happy. Um, it was, <laughs> it, it was great. It was, I mean, I'm dealing with toys all day. Right. It was great. Um, and, uh, then that closed, um, because Soho. Um, and, uh, so I went back into the industry. Mm -hmm. And I got a job at Blue Smoke, Danny Meyer's Blue Smoke Mm -hmm. and Jazz Standard. And uh, I was on the floor for about six months before they put me behind the bar. And I fell in love with it again. So, yeah.
1: So, parallel to your time in the industry as well, uh, acting Mm -hmm. was, I'm going to say, still is a passion for you. I think uh, being being a presenter, being on stage and being able to express yourself is a big portion of who you are as a person. Yeah cool
2: and how you have to be with your guests too it, you know there's a different kpb that one person needs and <laughs> one that it, another one definitely doesn't i am not for all tastes definitely so um
1: so the draw to new york was to pursue a career yeah
2: um uh, my husband and i did stand up uh for years um and um i realized once i was touring that i really hated touring you know um you're no wonder, you know, comedians are dark, sad people. Was
0: here. this in the early 90s then? Yeah, So, this, yeah, 90s. that was like, there was a real stand-up boom. There. Oh, yeah. Was a, it, it was, was a was, huge it was business huge.
2: And uh, I remember, you know, seeing, you know, somebody that I was uh, opening for, and he was, at, and he's one of those that you just knew he was never going to make it, you know? And you just <laughs> And you were knew. opening for the guy that yeah, was Yeah, and of mix. course, they always okay. want to give you advice. It's like, you suck, no thanks. Um, <laughs> but, um do you think
0: that was worse because you were a lady comic? Oh, absolutely. No, like, let,
2: Absol- let me tell you what you need to be exactly. doing. Exactly. Oh, little it, girl. yeah, exactly. Aren't you cute? You with your boobs and your talk and your funniness. Um, but uh, I remember seeing uh, the guy at the exit sign holding up his cassette with, you know, this plastered on grin. And I was just like, no, that's, that's not for me, you know? Um, and I like working with other people better. You know, I did mm-hmm. uh, a lot of, uh, improv comedy, and of course I was a music theater, um, and, uh, a theater major. And, uh, so went to New York to do that thing, and, um, and it was great. I got in a, a few, uh, off-off-Broadway shows, did a lot of Shakespeare, um, some, Goofy stuff, um, a, a couple, you know, voiceover works. I was in a really terrible movie that, thank God, nobody saw. Wait a minute, so,
3: what was it?
1: All right, for all of our <laughs> listeners out there, the name of that movie is Addiction. <laughs> Addiction. Oh,
2: yeah, that's how why, on the nose. Oh my God, that's Wh- why I did, did the movie. Out? I was like this once. I read the script. I'm like, this sucks. No one's gonna see Let's... this, and I've never been in movies, so huh. I, I was just like, this will be like an exercise. And holy crap, I was awful. Was this an after-school so, special? No, it was some horror movie. I it, yeah, I just even, uh, did, did you Josh get breakfast? killed? No, oh. I just had one scene in which I was like in a kitchen talking to somebody who I think eventually got killed. So uh, yeah, it, it was. Oh god, I was <laughs> oh, terrible. My god, this is so great. You're i so used I to love being. Whole has written the title of this movie. <laughs> now, we will have
1: a screening at Twelve Mile. Limit. Oh god, oh, make oh, sure, sure starring Kimberly <laughs> Patrick. Don't do that to
2: your guests, please. Oh, it's, it's so it awful. Uh, and not no uh, fun awful. It just flat out sucks. So, yeah. <laughs> so
1: I'm going to pause here. Uh, so uh, before Katrina, I actually considered pursuing a career in film.
2: No, no,
3: yeah, no yeah.
1: idea. I, I had been in a couple plays in high school, right. and that's about it. And I like talking, and I'm, I'm a bartender. And I'm yeah. like, oh, this would be interesting. Let me give this a try. And there's a ton of background work that was available before uh, Katrina. There was a ton right. of films that were come down here. Broken Lizard did. The Dukes of Hazard down here. And there were a couple other movies that there. There's a Lindsay Broken
2: movie. Lizard did that.
1: They did, yeah. It oh, wow. kind of ruined Broken Lizard, actually, because yeah. the movie did really poorly. Uh, that's why they crowd- they would crowdsource
0: it troo- yeah. uh, Super Tur- Troopers, too. Turns out Johnny Knoxville wow. can't open a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> I, think, I think he's
1: surprisingly underrated as an actor. He's done some good work. I, think, I mean, he's yeah. funny enough in a
0: supporting role, but I wouldn't hang a franchise on him. Right.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. So, uh, have you ever done any background work or been in a film? I've cult? done some
0: background work. Uh, only The only background work I've done was because... Uh, one of, our, one of our regulars is uh, works on, works on films here in New Orleans. They were filming Jurassic World here a couple years ago mm. when we sort of reached peak movie in New Orleans. When all of the worst entries in my yeah. favorite franchises were being filmed in New Orleans at the same time. Like, oh, look, it's the worst Terminator movie. Oh, and the worst <laughs> Jurassic Park movie. Great, but my wife and I are huge Jurassic Park fans. If you, I, I
2: they're, joke, they're they're actually they had a chamber orchestra. For, well, we, we, had a a for, we had a string quartet. String quartet doing the, uh, the Jurassic Park. Yeah, game. my wife walked hilarious. down the
0: aisle to the Jurassic Park. Main th- wait, main which song. one? Na, 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 yes. na,
1: na.
2: That was our processional. It was so, you should have seen the crowd. Yeah, there was that moment. They, they're where was just sitting there like, wait, is like, like, is wait, is is wait this? a this? minute. Is it is.
0: It is. is what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a, a genetic gen- T-Rex t- t- tattoo. We're big dinosaur nerds. And I joke we that like, if you had asked 10-year-old me... If you had told 10-year-old me that I would grow up and marry somebody who was a bigger Jurassic Park fan than I was, (laughs) I would have said, you're crazy. That's impossible. And yet, (laughs) here we are. And yet, here it is. Um, So Jurassic World, a friend of mine was working out. I was like, hey, you know, it'd be really cool if we could get in for the day as extras. And we did. We showed up. We did the whole thing. My wife was I had to tell her I was like kind of you're kind of being a little offensive cuz she kept going up to people was like are you just big Jurassic Park fans too I was like honey these oh people are trying to be actors <laughs> <laughs> they're not just here cuz they love
3: dinosaurs that's like
0: a, us. that that's a great point so uh
1: Extras like I understand you have to get your foot in the door and everything yeah. like that, but there are some extras out there who are just like miserable people to talk to because oh, yeah. they are they are actors trying to get their big. Have right? you it's seen this, the show
2: Extras with Ricky Gervais? Yeah. Oh, it's Lo- oh my god, you yeah. like that so cringe funny! Comedy. It's oh my it's god, perfect. it's
3: it's exactly like I love him so
2: much. You that.
0: can see us in the trailer if you zoom in really really close because we're in that scene. You know the scene with the have you guys seen? Uh, yeah yeah yeah. Okay, the scene where the yeah. the shark <laughs> cool. and everyone in the crowd gets splashed and it's ooh Uh We're that crowd that was us. Ah. And you if you zoom in, Lilia was wearing a very big hat. And so you can see you find I was She's wearing a like, pink I'm shirt. Sure you're it was like see a big hat, in pink shirt right next to it. We get splashed and definitely got wet repeatedly. Uh, was and Lelia see,
1: disappointed you, that there were no di- Wait, were there practical effects or was it all CGI? No this is
0: the first Jurassic Park movie that they did with entire CGI. That's so it was like really it was a tennis which ball is on why, a yeah, It was like, totally look, at this, a look, look at this pole it's got a tennis ball or on top. Just That's like, where your sight line like, is. Like, we're the fucking dinosaurs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we were, I, I knew going in. I was, uh, I'd read enough about the pre-production that I, I was like no we're not going to see anything. We're going to see gonna, a tennis ball for three Yeah basically. But it was a lot of fun. I actually auditioned for a play for the first time since high school earlier this year i oh, don't no get shit. It. Well, there are a lot of people in, in new orleans was who it are, the state are, are, are version are of addiction
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> could have been no it was yeah a, they're
2: making an even worse version of it now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> impossible uh, they they're
0: uh they're working on a a musical of caligula that's, that's going to be on Are stage this fall. And I, I, I got an open notice. I went to see it with the same company that did Ragtime last year. Ragtime was really good. My friend was in it, so I went to see it. I guess I wound up on their mailing list. I was like, And it was like, open casting call, Caligula. I was like, well, that seems like a parable for our times. Wow. So, and I didn't realize it was a musical audition until I got the email back. I was like, sure, you just need a one-minute song. And I was like, oh, okay. So what did like, you sing? I sang uh, the first verse of the Johnny Cash version of Bury Me Not, Okay. Uh, like, bury me not oh, alone. So, it's an old sad cowboy song sure. it doesn't require a lot of range my voice is pretty low so I can do Johnny Cash alright that's uh, not what they're looking for in an audition just to let you know I well I think they wanted <laughs> me to prove that I could sing anything competently it's, <laughs> it's Caligula
2: like, I'm surprised they didn't ask you to like drop your drawers you uh, know? Yeah. So, so, I, that
0: might have helped yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wish I could lead with my best asset I'll put it that way <laughs> so
1: the three movies that I did background work in which is weird too because also <laughs> so on the third movie There was a casting agent who I guess worked on at least two of the three movies I was on who saw me was like, You've been in a couple of these. You know, we're going to film this John McCain biopic down here and we need intimidating looking Asian people. And you're the biggest Asian person I've ever seen. And like to me I was like, Whoo, here's my big break, but I'm just (laughs) like No I'm like, you racist son of a bitch. (laughs) It's like, that's me. Vietnamese prison guard number
3: four. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The storm wiped away my big movie career, by the way. Just going to say. My friend,
0: I had a a friend of a friend, Uh, went to, yeah. Yeah. Long story short, he did the opposite thing. He moved <laughs> to Japan for a while. He's just a big dude and like a long blonde ponytail. He learned just enough Japanese that he could be the heavy in oh, that like B Japanese action oh, movies. Nice. So he has a big poster of himself up, and it was in his dorm room. So because like he did this adventuring after high school thing, but he was just like strapped with giant machine gun, oh God, ammo belts, hilarious. just all Japanese writing behind him. Yeah. I, don't, I still don't know <laughs> if he even knows what that movie was about. Oh my God, <laughs> but, I uh,
1: finally went back, and I I, I couldn't see myself in like uh, most of the movies that I did background work in, but uh, I did, there was this one independent movie and like, I, I'd never heard of anything about it after it came out. We are supposed to get paid for doing the work, but then like, we're, it was supposed to be like, once we start making money off the movie, then that'll happen. But right. it's one of the lowest grossing movies of all time. It opened for a single day <laughs> in like 10 theaters. Uh, it was a Christopher Lloyd and Zoe Deschanel movie. Uh, called. I think it's called Flakes, and it was about a appropriate cereal. Oh, the bar. cereal! I've yeah. seen that. You've seen that movie? Yes. Oh my god! Oh my that god! Is well, I mean,
2: parts of it, I I yeah. kind of drifted off. It's horrible. It's, yeah. It's so. Was there supposed to be romantic
0: it's, chemistry yeah, between? You, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. no, no. no. <laughs> he, he was, was kind of like
2: the you know the The crazy guy who's always there. He was the norm. Yeah, you know, he, he owned the cereal bar. Uh, yeah, and then a, a oh. competing cereal bar so across the street opened. Hipster up. garbage. <laughs> it was I sucked. It was so
1: bad. It was. It, it was just sucked. like it was like, and it was trying to be like really New Orleans-y, but it was like somebody who just kind of like thought they knew about New Orleans, so, like, yeah. like the geography was really messed up, and just everything was really bad, yeah, it was but bad. I was in a restaurant scene that, like, the the main couple got into a fight, and, like, the director really liked a shocked look that I had, like, I was like, <laughs> I know this was a really good thing, they're laughing, because it's a great face,
3: <laughs> it is, no, it's pretty <laughs> glorious, you but, look uh, so
1: shocked, I just remember the director was like, him, right there, more like that, all of you, more like that, I'm just like, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, oh, now
2: I'm gonna have to rewatch a goddamn movie so I can find no. it. Well, at least just one. Nobody scene. has
1: to. So uh, that's our that's, <laughs> our that's our double feature, Twelve Mile next week. Uh, Flakes, Flakes with Christopher and Lloyd addiction. and Addiction starring the Kimberly
2: Patton. Oh my Brad. god! Oh. My first uh, New York audition uh, was actually um, it was for Rent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, and I hate that musical. So that I much. see you in Rent twenty years ago, though. I <laughs> think that was you story you were like probably very bohemian. Though. <laughs> no,
0: no.
1: What the fuck, <laughs> dude?
2: <laughs> it was like I was—it was a touring gig, uh, and I was like, it was going to be a tour in Germany or some shit. Okay, yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, it was at the Apollo Theater. Yeah. And so we're all standing in line at, at the Apollo, and it's snowing, and it's cold, and it's with a whole bunch of pretentious assholes. Okay, and,
1: Maureen, right? Y- yeah, exactly. You were—you're you're, you're auditioning for Maureen.
2: I have no idea. You don't, I don't know? know? I didn't okay. know. I yeah. Uh, once I heard that. 67 minutes song. I'm like, I'm done. That's, yeah, that's not sucks. how that goes, actually. I know. It's not 67 but, uh, minutes. <laughs> I sang um, Meatloaf on the Apollo stage. Which is <laughs> bad. Yeah. They're I'm a Yeah. So yeah. Naturally. So, and uh, Obviously, I didn't get it, which is uh, totally fine for me, because mm. I watched for like five minutes of Rent, and I was like, I would probably shoot everyone if I was in this. Music good. State show
1: super S- sappy. Really sad sad about that too, because yeah. uh, Jonathan Larson was the person who wrote that and he had one other show but he uh committed suicide like opening night or soon yeah, after the like show that. premiere, yeah. I believe. Um I think like really talented individual. Like I he just he would be doing so well right now, I think. Like, he, yeah. he could have been like the 90s versions of uh, who's the guy who did Hamilton, Lynn Manuel. I'm really up on current things, obviously. But he just had great pop sensibility. That's that's the real draw for Rent because, I mean, it's just a redoing of La Yeah, when it comes down to it. But the music actually has some really great pop hooks and like it's a little bit of rock, it's a little bit of whatever. See, but people still
2: listen to La Boheme. There's the difference. Okay, yeah. You're making a subject, people
1: don't listen to Rent. Uh, well, hordes of people listening. Okay.
2: To rent. They are all theater majors. So. No, they're not. Yeah, I Absolutely it, it, that not. That had
0: pretty mainstream appeal. Really? Absolutely. I, I Absolutely. Think, yeah. I, Absolutely. Do, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone, I, mean, I doubt there as many people who would go to see rent right. these days. But yeah, I think the music holds up pretty well. well.
2: Wow.
1: I think the rights are super cheap for rent. I know there was a production in the Bywater for like a while ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just been out yeah. forever. Yeah. Yeah. It That's has why. been out for a while. Yeah. So anyways, that was your first audition in New York. I think that's a good way to get off this tangent line back to New York City. So uh, you're in this parallel position where uh, you're a struggling actress in New York City. This sounds like a great sitcom. Working at a Danny Meyer barbecue Uh, restaurant.
2: The horror. uh, Actually, it was great. What was was the
1: progress and what is it like – I, I don't know this personally because I, I dropped out of school very quickly and like got into the service industry. It's just something I really like to do. So right. I stumbled into like this career, this lifestyle very easily. Like, so what was it for you that was like, you know, this acting thing is like, I'm starting to lose my passion for here. I'm starting to really enjoy yeah, this. I like mean, what's it, the give and take? It
2: wears you down. Um, and it doesn't pay, you know, it's like uh, most of the, most of the shows that I did, it didn't pay at all. It's off, off Broadway, you know, um, you know, Ionesco doesn't pay. Shakespeare doesn't really pay unless you're, you know, up and up there. And, and I'm not, you know, and, uh, I loved it, but it was just going on an audition just seeing that dangling carrot over and over and over again. And, um, I did learn to not take auditions personally, um, which I think a lot of people really, really beat themselves up over, which is really surprising because I'm hugely insecure. But I realize it's like, you know, especially when you see rooms full of people and everything, you know, I could have reminded that director of his ex-girlfriend. It has nothing to do with me, you know? Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with your talent or anything. It just, it has to do with, you know, whatever that director's vision is. And if you're not in it, somebody else is, you know? Um yeah. But I just got really kind of, tired of all that, and at the same time was really enjoying bartending. And so it just kind of... You know, the scales were starting to, you know, get on the even, and then mm-hmm. it started, you know, weighing further on the bartending.
1: Is there a, psychologi- yeah. Is there a psychological <laughs> aspect you feel with that? Like, I, I think for a long period of time, I, I'm always looking for, you know, some sort of justification of in course. my life. And, like, when you get a good tip, it's like a minor. Wait till like, you're
2: in your mid-40s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting
1: there. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. But do you think there's some point where it was a counterpoint to the rejection you were getting in the theater world and with stand-up comedy that, like, you were getting a lot more fulfillment from
2: the services. Yeah, absolutely. You know, cause you get your regulars, you know, that's your audience that sees you every day, mm-hmm. you know, and has chosen to, and they, and they are paying to, mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, it just, it was just a lot. I get to see a finished product in front of me every mm-hmm. single day, you know, um, and multiple, multiple, multiple times a day. Yeah. Um, and you are getting, um, feedback immediately, you right. know, um, And, uh, I just, I just really enjoyed the, the movement, the, the, the dynamics. And, um, uh, there was also something to learn all the time and also, you know, memorization. It's like, you know, I've spent my entire life, you know, since I was a kid memorizing things, Mm -hmm. you know? So that was a very efficient tool to use in the service industry, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, and I, I just really enjoyed using the tools that I had in acting. I think they transferred very well um, to, and I think that's why a lot of actors are attracted to it. Sure. So um, now I just worry that some of them are doing it for a different reason. You know, mm. they're doing it to be a star, not a not a bartender. That's. Just enjoying running the yeah, show, yeah. Like
1: they'll go and start a podcast and try and get people to listen to it and become. Fucking super hate famous those song. guys, man. <laughs> Jesus, a bunch of assholes. Am I right? Well, we
0: talked. We talked actually. A, a,
1: oh, so somebody a, an came episode.
2: and said, "Here, Kim. Here's a show. You think my whore ass wouldn't jump on it? Yeah, <laughs> of course. You know, but Kimberly
1: Patton Bragg, a exact, one woman show. Of course,
2: hello. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I'd I'd I totally $5. would. Yeah, I totally would. There's that part in everything. So. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I just uh, I, I realize uh, more down the line, it's like I, I wasn't necessarily a character actor. I'm a character that acts, hmm. and uh, so you know, I just uh, they want to come to me, great, you know. But I'm not going to chase it. So yeah.
0: yeah, it's it's weird. There there, people I guess want that. Are people are getting into bartending because it seems glamorous? We talked about this on the episode. Uh, with Mike from Atlanta, that yep. there are no celebrity bartenders no, in any they, real and meaningful way. No.
3: you're bar famous. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, bar, you're fam- bar famous. Bar famous is it.
0: way different. De- like, no, if you stop 100 people on the street, 100 people will not know who Tony Aboganim is, and he's right. arguably and he's the most huge. famous bartender yeah. working today. You know, that uh, uh, he's up there anyway yeah. at the at the very least. And but he's only famous within this world. There's yeah. even no breakthrough star the same way there has with the culinary no. world. And I mean the. The cocktail revolution is about twenty years behind the culinary revolution, so yeah. maybe we're about to see our breakout star. But
2: well, they also tried that. I mean, uh, the show that I was on—I <laughs> I know if you want to watch, we'd be terrified for four episodes. Did you <laughs> know Kim
1: but, was on a reality TV yeah. show about bartenders competing for a hundred thousand dollar prize?
0: I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I. I yeah. I regret that I didn't audition for that. Oh, my but God. I remember when it came around. I remember yeah. I saw you auditioning, I was like, I should, I should lean into that. It, and was, and really it was, was really fun. It was
2: really fun, and we're nice. still all really tight. But, I mean... Uh, Charles won and man he, he's so smooth to watch you know mm-hmm. he's just calm collected me I'm just getting nervous as hell and you know mes plus is different the only episode that. that I saw so. was
0: one where you you didn't get eliminated but you were in the end credits being like that was hard and you just yeah. had that like, thousand it, yard
1: stare it is I'm like <laughs> terrified shaking
2: my whole goal was just not to be the first one off and you, weren't. you know and I wasn't so I, yeah. you know that was success. my oh. only goal but
1: you did lose at the tiki competition oh, and now off. you're working at a tiki bar
2: how how I crazy is that?
1: <laughs> yeah, but that was a really that was a great experience for you, wasn't it? Kim? It was,
2: it was, and uh, I was uh, apparently one point away from losing. Uh, for for or, or winning, however you want to look at it, obviously. we're all yeah.
1: a million points away from Charles Jolie.
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> so, so true.
1: It's like if you're in a competition for anybody out there interested yeah. in competitive bartending. If Charles Jolie's in the competition or just, Julio just, Cabrera, just then
2: quit. <laughs> uh, I mean, have
1: a good time, but lower like no, just, adjust your expectations. Adjust yes. your
0: expectations, but also pay attention. Yes, yes. L- that that's one of the things that I think people don't do when they're in competitions as much as they should is that they're so focused on what they're doing.
3: Mm-hmm. It's right. A very
0: Real learning, like you get ten different bartenders with ten different styles, all in the same place, and they're all right. all s- really good at something, or they wouldn't be there.
2: Of course, me and you
0: competed against Julio in uh, Atlanta for
1: world class, right? Yeah, and they <laughs> kicked our butts. We're just like, all right, Miami, we <laughs> yeah, get it. You're get really it. good at what you're doing right mm-hmm. now. They were they were amazing. Every, every competitor. I, though, the way from I our look at competitions Miami, now, yeah,
2: though, yeah. is it's don't necessarily have the eye on the prize, but um, represent your bar. You know, even mm. though I didn't get that hundred grand and everything, I'm getting it through five dollars at a time because people yeah. want to come see me. You know, because yeah. you yeah. know they had a good time while I was you know at yeah whatever. You're event. selling
0: yourself to yeah. the audience yeah. that's so. there. It's a networking opportunity. You want them to come There's to your a lot bar? Of ways to, yeah. with air quotes, win a cocktail competition. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. But it Cole did and suck. I have I a seminar I about yeah, that, yeah, about yeah that, have a and that seminar on that topic. Yeah. Can revisit. Yeah, that's
1: a pretty good one. Cool. So. Um, I'd really lay some perspective on this. I, I have been to New York twice at this point, And I've right. spent most of the time in either Manhattan, like, you know, buried in Manhattan. Right. Or just uh, a day trip to go see my friends in Brooklyn. So I, I just have no bearing on New York. It's someplace that really hasn't, like, hooked me at all. I'm never like, ah, I really want to go and visit or something like that. Now – were you drawn to New York? Did you fall in love with New York? And now, like, how New York has changed and everything like that, can you go back? Is it the
2: same city for you? Uh, yeah. No. It's a, I think the minute – New York is its own organism, and it continues to grow. Um, and it, it, it's kind of like, I don't know, it, a lobster. It has to get rid of its shell, and then it grows into a new one and a new one and a new one. Um Uh, I loved New York since I saw the movie Fame when I was a kid, and that blew my fucking mind, Mm -hmm. and um, I so wanted to go, and I went for the first time. uh, God, how old was I? 10? I think I was 10 years old. And you know how your mom, you know, packs your clothes when you're that age and shit like that. I remember being on the subway, and that's when the subway was scary. You had the um, the, uh, the what do you not Hells Angels, uh, Guardian Angels, and graffiti everywhere, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there, and there were two people on the pole, and full on Liberty spikes, and I'm sitting there in a stupid froggy. Sundress, and I just felt like the <laughs> biggest dick, <laughs> and, and so that's when you know Kim started that's her little fantasy. Yeah. yeah, I was just like,
0: I'm, I need to, I need to punk this up yeah, by about thirty percent and make I mean, it in the big city.
2: And, um, I went again when I was 13 and then dad, um, gave me another trip when I was 16, went there for thespians. I went there for, you know, I, I was there almost once a year. I, I always knew I would live there at some point. The energy was great. At that point I thought I was going to be either a fashion designer or an actor. I originally went to college for fashion design. Um, and, uh, anyway, uh, so I, I did love it. Um, and then we had a wonderful 10 years there. It was great. Um, I have no regrets about any of it, um, but it started to wear us down. You know, and when you see great, sh- great shops that you love turn into old navies, you know, it's now it's turning into Cleveland. Why am I spending all this rent and being frustrated and all that kind yeah. of stuff? And uh, we'd probably still be there though if we never visited New Orleans. To be quite honest, though. okay. What brought yeah. you to New Orleans for a visit? Uh, toss away weekend. That, it was just uh, hey, you know, let's let's uh, just take a quick trip and. Yeah.
0: If you're, You came from the Gulf South. Yeah. Did you come to New Orleans as a kid with your family? Never. Was, it, was never one of your, your destinations. Mike
2: came with his uh, buddy once, and um, his buddy is really beige, so he didn't really have the best time, but <laughs> did like uh, did like the, you know, the, the um, something New Orleans had. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't suggest both of us go at another time. And, uh, yeah, so um, it, we just fell in love with it almost immediately. I remember going into the Royal Pharmacy the second day, I think, and of course I was hungover, and they had BC powder, and you can't get BC powder in New York. And I'm like, fuck yeah, BC powder, and it was that Royal Pharmacy that has all the old stuff in there, yeah. and they were playing opera. I was like, yep, I'm going to die in this city. <laughs> <laughs> this is what's going to happen. Yeah, so it was it was wonderful. Um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I think we probably would still be in New York if it weren't for that.
1: Cool. What was uh, what was the process of plotting your escape?
2: Um, actually, it was uh, kind of three-pronged. Uh, the first one was uh, having our boarding passes before going back to New York and looking at, at each other and saying we can cash in our 401k right now. Uh, so I decided, we have a good deal in our apartment. Let's slow down. <laughs> so that was the first prong. The second prong, um, I came down here for Tales of the Tiki, which is where I met Jeff and Anine and Anne. They did that before was that that
1: big tent event. That was no,
2: that this was stuff. at the Pelican Club, and huh. it was uh, was before, it
0: affiliated with Tales of the Cocktail? Yeah, okay. well,
2: it was it was right before Tales of the Cocktail, okay. and I came down there to see. It's like everybody when they go on vacation, they're like, I'm gonna move here. Well, you're on vacation, of course it's awesome. You're not working, you know. So um, we went to down again to see if we really wanted to pull the trigger, and that's when. Uh, so I, and Anne invited me to her table because I had emailed, I'm like, you know, really interested in such and such and uh, came down and it was great. And when, uh, Mike and I, you know, looked into it further. We decided we were going to move. And then I got in the CAP program for that infamous first year. <laughs> um, and uh, then we moved in September of that year in 08. All
0: yeah. right. So... 2008 so it's it's coming up on the end of your ninth year yeah, soon?
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. Exactly. How, how, do, how do you
2: like it? I like it. It's frustrating of course, you know. I mean, we have pumps not working and, you know, it's it, it's it's a tough city, you know. Um it is violent. It's kind of it reminds me of New York in the 80s, you yeah. know, when it was, you know, yeah. you know, crack and drugs and all that other kind of stuff was it was it was a dangerous time, you know. Um but It's still, I think there's a reason why New Orleans is special in which we enjoy every minute, whether that's, that we're alive, you know, mm. whether that's good or bad, because it's oh, it's there, kind of a celebration. We I mean, can take that celebration too like, far
0: a good bit. is it, true. And um, that's when this is not a place a, to get a, your shit together. There's a sort of like thr- there's a thrill seeker element. Like, why do why do people jump off of, or jump out of perfectly good airplanes? You know, it's fuck because, that noise. Hey, well, it should, yeah, but, but there's an element of living in New Orleans that's thrilling because of how dangerous it is. Absolutely, you know? it, it just it feels vibrant. <laughs> Yeah. In a way, because of you know, our sort there's of
2: loosey-goosey always relationship with happen. death. Yeah, we yeah. talked I don't about that. it before. You
0: don't... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't need that. Uh,
2: no, yeah, I, no, I, no, it comes got, to like,
1: find me, I just don't need it in my right, life.
2: Right.
3: It's, <laughs> it's never it's, been you know, an appeal to it, the It's one either. of
2: those things, um, uh, when I was leaving uh, Latitude 29 the other day, it's like, you know, there's that park with that weird uh, sculpture thing, and then there's a t-shirt shop, and the... I saw this guy get on bended knee with the parents taking uh, photographs. And and I was like, did that just happen? He's like, yes. He just proposed to her. Uh. And then a block away from that, I'm walking home, a block away from that, a chef that used to work with me was full-on methed out arguing with himself. And then the next block, there were three Filipino dudes Totally rapping in, um, in Filipino. And I'm like, I can't leave this city. There's always <laughs> too much weird, I, random shit happening all the time.
0: I feel like New Orleans... I, one of the ways I describe it, we can talk about the that the, the, there's a thousand reasons why New Orleans is a really hard place to live, and there are like ten reasons why it's a really great place to live, yeah. and somehow the ten reasons win.
3: Yeah,
2: <laughs> just, it's true. There, and it's when you get the most frustrated, one of those moments will come along. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I kept it, thinking when he was proposing her, I'd be like, please tell Make me remember this. I put ketchup on my ketchup T-shirt. What a place weird to live. spot! Yeah. <laughs> it was
0: so weird. Uh, but uh, but the other thing that I think about New Orleans is that it's the smallest city in the country where it feels like anything is possible. Yes, like you yeah, never know what's that, gonna happen. That's, you could, that's you could run into celebrity. You could you know wind They're, like
2: wind up dead wind you know, up yeah. dead Yeah, like, <laughs> you you, know. you, you uh, wake
0: up dead tomorrow who knows uh, <laughs> your entire neighborhood could be flooded your entire neighborhood <laughs> exactly four feet of water yeah. in an hour exactly. you never know what's gonna happen in New Orleans good no. or bad and, but it, it definitely in New York City it's you know it, it feels like anything is possible there and it, it vibrates with that energy and, but that's by virtue of also having like 15 million people that live in the city yeah, absolutely. New Orleans having not even 500,000 people I think that live in the city right now it still feels like anything yeah. is possible it still yeah. vibrates with that energy
2: Yeah. Well, I think the trouble with New York, and I haven't been there in about four years. I think it was... uh, Yeah, I can't... Doesn't matter. Anyway, I just feel like it's getting so for the wealthy, you know, that it's... Mm. I think it's a little crushing. You know, you can't be that starving artist anymore, you know. And also the performance venues are going away. Um, So it's... It's it's difficult. There are no dive bars anymore. It's like fuck. Mars bar is gone. Come on, man. The ladies is gone. You know, it just every single. I keep checking on the internet to make sure Desmond's Tavern is still there. You know, that, <laughs> that, that that'll be the last funny thing. For me. Like
1: the bars I've the bars that I've frequented in New Orleans. Like none of them have gone away. They're all still pretty much open. You know, like I
0: yeah. Can't, I mean, there've been bars that have opened and closed. Since you've moved here, obviously, but a lot of the there's a lot of consistency. Yeah. Like yeah. the, when I first moved here, I went to Le bon Tom, went to bon still, bon still there. A lot
1: when I was, still uh, kicking. I used yeah, to hang out at the Shiloh on Chop-a-Toolis
0: and that closed, but it's 45 it's, Chop now. It's still a cool bar. Yeah. yeah. So you can't you can't get coke in the back anymore. Well, but no. can, it's a it's a Red Sox bar too. So if you're that's why a I Red so- stopped going. <laughs> I, <guess. laughs> I actually 45 Chop they opened when I was when I was living in that neighborhood. That was mm. my like. Five nights a week spot For, yeah. for years The it's a good bar used to be great They had a
1: uh, They had like an amateur Like hip hop night That was like a lot of fun And they just had people Come on and like You know rap And it was Oh that's really, cool It was really It was, it was huh. a fun bar I mean it was yeah. It used to be pretty cool A little rough I still love it. I used to r- like Really rough bars down here though mm-hmm. Like like the more dangerous And shitty the bar was Like the better it was Like the um, Scabby like what, like Stabby? Scabby. Scabby? The like, Abbey. Oh, like the Abbey. Uh, I know, I was never, well, no, that's not true. I, like, the first bar I really hung out with was the Whirling Dervish, which used yeah. to be right next to the uh, yeah. Abbey. Yeah. And there used to be a uh, there used to be a, a hookah bar slash sex toy shop across the street from there, and I don't know why the tastes great together. Pretentious diversification.
2: Co- yeah, per- pretentious <laughs>
1: college kids are like, ooh, this is weird indifference. So mm. I was like, let's let's hang out and smoke hookahs next to all these dildos and <laughs> go across the street to this industrial bar and get Miller Lite while oh, we're It Must have been so fun to date in college. I, All diet snowballs, and who could do those? <laughs> I was, I, I, you know what? But like when you're dating the same kind of person, it works, right? I mean, like, I <laughs> like, like it's why those relationships never worked out, clearly. <laughs> Shut up, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so what were the differences you noticed when you first got here between bartending in New York and bartending in New Orleans?
2: What kind of
0: place did you work at when you first moved here?
2: Oh, uh, uh, Molly's was my first job here. So oh, yeah, I was, I was the day bitch there, uh, for about six months. Um, and uh, it was so funny. I came in with like a spoon and a shaker and Monahan's like, we don't do that shit here. <laughs> and then, I, and then, I, then I'm putting a four leaf clover on top of the Guinness He's like, we don't do that shit either. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. And it was a perfect spot. Um, just so, and it's not like where I came from was, you know, hands behind your back and you know, all that kind of shit. Um, but, uh, but it was good because it's the town hall for the local drunks, you know. Um, and it was a great way to learn about the city in a very um, personal way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I loved it until I didn't love it, you know. So and um, I also then I got the uh, job running the program at Clever, and that was the first bar program I had ever created. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a wine bar, so all my drinks, you know, were you know wine based ingredients, blah yeah. blah blah. So.
1: It's interesting with Clever, because Clever was around for a pretty short period of time. And yeah, what an Pearl, ironic name,
2: huh? <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> but Pearl, but like, a lot of people would argue that the location was bad, but Pearl Wine's been like... Yeah, I'm actually headed there right after this. Yeah, so, yeah, so. yeah they're it's, having a hard time now with the construction that's happening at the can Company, of course, where yeah. I live. But, right. um, yeah, I mean, they're, they, they seem to be fine, yeah.
2: Yeah, they yeah, seem to be doing, okay. doing alright. So. Uh,
0: yeah, Clever, though, I've, Clever for me will live forever in infamy, because I had the brilliant idea to name this bar when I was going to open. I was going to call it Clever. And it yeah. was the, it was like the six months that Clever was open. <laughs> it oh, my God. Like, that's hilarious. If it had been a, you you know, dodged
2: a bullet, man. Guess, yeah,
0: maybe it was cursed. <laughs> who
3: knows? It
0: does seem like a, a name that in hindsight is probably a little cutesy poo. Yeah, you know, the 12-mile yeah. limit's a little cumbersome. It's got its own issues. Uh, but it's not as... Clever is a horrible
1: name for a bar. Yeah, it was, really was. Yeah, it's not a good name. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm
2: glad you stuck with 12, twelve mile limit. Yeah, so, people yeah. ask
1: like, "What's twelve mile limit?" And you tell them. And like, I had that's to ask really him again the other day because
2: I keep forgetting. So
1: you're a bartender, damn it. I know. <laughs> I know. It's sad. Uh but yeah. So um, that's uh, so clever is a good uh, a good example of one thing that you that I know you for more than anything, Kim. At this point, it's um, you uh serve as a really great mentor to people oh, throughout you. the industry, I try to, <laughs> yeah, and clever. I think that really started off with because uh, Sean Thibodeau was kind of your first baby, like, oh you know, my god, like, that kid.
2: I, I was so mad when John hired him without me because you know, here he is, he's he wasn't even of age, mm-hmm. and he you know, it's like this football frat boy, you know, had his baseball cap on backwards and, and, and flip flops and, and his frat shirt and all that. I was like, oh my God. I was so angry. I've never been more wrong about anybody in my life. Yeah. He soaked it all in and he was great with guests and, He's, he's just a great kid. Well, I mean, he's older now, but yeah. 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 So, Married, living in Louisville. Yeah. Doesn't
3: bartend
1: anymore, so no. that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, that's cool. Did you work with anybody else of interest while you were over at
2: Clever? Or? Uh, yeah, Graham Preston. Um, he was there for a good bit, and I learned a lot from him. And he was way younger than I was. And I think he started learning about wines when he was like 15. Mm. And so um, he really knew a lot about uh, wine, which that was – when I first started getting a little bit more specific in my wine knowledge, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and that was very that that was very cool. Um, and then uh, once I left there, where did I go? Um, maybe swizzle, swizzle stick. stick? Yeah. I think it might have been swizzle stick. Hmm. Yeah, and um, and that was interesting because that was my first hotel uh, to work in. Um, the money was great and it was, it was good to work in a bar that actually, I remember reading in the land of cocktails while I was moving oh, yeah. down here and I was like all excited about it and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I was there for a long time, I think, mm-hmm. um, I think at least a year, maybe two. Um, and then went on to Dominica mm-hmm. and then I got poached, um, to open up Dominique's. Um, uh, and then Dominique's went to Dominique's on uh, a, by Tamarind or Tamarind by Dominiques and then stayed it to William Lee and then um and then three muses and then opened up the next three muses. Yeah. So it's been an and interesting closed it. <laughs> it's been
1: an interesting uh uh, it's been an interesting journey, I'd say, for you for the most part. Um, you're excessively loyal, almost to a fault. Yeah. I I'd say that with as much love in my heart. As I know. Possible.
2: Yeah, it's true. But, uh, it's true.
1: Kind of like these people that you've hitched your wagon to, uh, Dominique, um, particularly. Yeah, I, I I remember at one point you had gone like three or four years without taking any time off and then like one of your best friends was getting married and we knew each other through the USBG. Yeah. We had never worked together but you were just like, oh my gosh, I really need somebody to cover some shifts and you're like, "And you, I, you, maybe you post on Facebook but yeah. I'm like, I'm free, I'll pick up some shifts or something like that. Yeah. I can use the extra cash and uh, I came into like, uh, I forgot about that. Man. Yeah, I yeah. came into work at uh, at, at Tamarind, which was just kind of like kind of wacky when it came down. To oh it. It
2: was like, boy, was it!
1: Yeah, it was a, a really tragic kind of restaurant. There was a really talented chef who was uh, a, a Vietnamese gentleman who was working Kwan, there, Kwan. Chef Quan and he got he, stomach
3: cancer. Was he that got that?
2: stomach cancer, um, and um, yeah, he w- he was amazing. You could see the dynamic. Uh, change whenever he was working. He was mm-hmm. just so genteel and so knowledgeable, and just always had a smile on his face. and it, And he wasn't a plate throwing bastard or any of that <laughs> kind of stuff. And it was and it, he was great, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really sad that he passed. He was a, he was a good man.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was definitely like kind of the heart and soul of that place. I mean, besides you being there, well, like kind of like you know, it was like the point of the restaurant really evaporated right. when like you know the inspiration behind the restaurant like
2: Absolutely. was gone.
1: And that kind of led to Tavoli and Lee, which you know he wrote me into working with you. Yeah, I
2: know, I know. Uh, See, was... you're loyal to a fault, also.
1: <laughs> yeah. is, how many times <laughs> am I gonna have to quit at
0: restaurants that you're running?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: well,
1: it's funny to joke about now. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Now let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the three muses opening on Frenchmen because you yeah. were there from the get go. They poached you from. No, no, Frenchman oh, was
2: no. had been open for a few years. Really? Yeah. Okay, and who, was, who
0: was running the bar when they got you to go take it um,
2: over? It was uh, Chris Darnes, and uh, he was one of their partners. And that partnership uh, uh, degraded, and uh, I had worked with Dan as before at Clever, because okay. he would do pop ups there, and um, actually my spaghetti western. Um, actually happened because he was doing a uh, dinner lab uh, based on Spaghetti Westerns, and he asked if I would create a drink for him. And then when he opened Three Muses, um, he asked if he could put the drink on the menu. I was like, yeah, take it, you know, whatever. And uh, then when the partnership uh, diminished, um, they knew they needed somebody to run the bar, and um, that's when they brought me on.
1: He originally had asked him to be a consultant. I remember we had yeah. some pretty long conversations yeah, about mm-hmm. the appropriate way to charge for consultation, and like you were really shy at first. Absolutely. about how much money because you're like, am, you know? yeah, you were like oh, I can't ask for that much money it's like no Kim you have to ask for that right. much money I mean, right. for yourself and also for the rest of us out there as well too I mean that's a big problem in our industry I think it's a big problem in any industry where people kind of name their own prices and have their own worth like graphic design right. lots of other things because... it's hard
0: to be standardized to yeah. Wind up yeah. undercutting
1: somebody by accident just because you want to get a gig or and... you have people who are just undercutting you and then they kind of start establishing a norm for people it's like I oh agree. well the last time I got a logo done it only cost me like ten bucks. It's like this is like three hundred dollars. This the is work. why you <laughs> need another one. Yeah, so, exactly. You right? know? But um, so you were you, so you start off as a, con, a consult uh mm-hmm. for part of me. You started out consulting for them. Yeah. And then you uh and then you
0: transitioned to running the program.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. They uh they brought me on as uh as the GM head bartender um there. And Do you it, wind it, up
0: actually working a lot of bartending shifts when you were there. Yeah, too, oh yeah, as absolutely. The, as the
2: and I also changed it um to make sure that we had table service. They had this weird thing in which you would uh, you would have a table number and then order at the bar and then sit down and mm. it, it was very bizarre and and it was confusing and and people would get upset because people are like you know hovering waiting for you to leave mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I'm like, why do you have four people on the floor and, and, and behind the bar, if nobody is servicing the floor, that didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So that's, that just leaves for, you know, people just being on their phones and wasting time and bitching. Um, and so anyway, I stopped that. I made it table service and all that kind of stuff, which made it a little bit more controlled. Um, and also, you know, I brought in different techniques. It's like, Yeah, we're not doing the Jersey Claw anymore. We're not doing this. And the people that I knew, um, because you always have that first awkward meeting with everybody, and you're like, okay, these are the drinks. This is how, you know, we're going to be doing this. I I knew the people that first meeting, which ones were probably going to quit. And they Mm -hmm. did, you know. Um, And uh, that was good because we were just changing in a different direction. We wanted the quality of the drinks to match the quality of the food Mm -hmm. and of the music. So it's all three muses instead of, you know, two and a half, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it just uh, refined it and I'm, I'm very proud of what I did there. I, yeah. I think, I,
0: you should be. I feel like there was, you can definitely look at Three Muses and be like, that's an, Im-, but there's the, the time before you were there and the time after you were there yeah. or during and after you were there and you look at it and it was like, that, before, I was like, that's an interesting idea. I wonder if it'll work out. Right. And then you went over there and it was just like, no, you figured it out. You made yeah, that formula I, work I think for they them. just needed and,
2: somebody who was restaurant-specific, you know, because, you know, if you've got a partner that's used to all music and even though, you know, she had been in the industry for a while and Dan who's concerned with the back of the house, you have to have somebody who knows how to run the front of the house. Yeah. Um, and it can't be an oversight. And, and it worked. And now, you know, Andrea has done a great job since I left, you know, continuing that. She listened, Mm -hmm. she learned, and uh, she uh, continued on, and Three Muses is still a great success on Frenchman.
0: It is, and and it looks like just it has the feel of one of those places that's going to be there until the it city will. is underwater. You it know, will. Were, yeah,
2: I think which so is too. a sooner know, rather than later. Months, it's going to be there yeah. for months. Months. Yeah. Good. Uh, <laughs> At least
3: The lost city of New Orleans, yeah. yeah. sunken <laughs> below but the waves. You,
0: you left. The only reason you wound up leaving Three Muses is because you were you were offered a, uh, a piece of the Three Muses uptown yeah. that both opened and closed earlier this yeah, year. Yeah,
2: I became a managing partner. And uh,
0: up there. you had talked for years. We've gone yeah. over it because we've talked. I mean, people who... Are in this industry and have an ambition to be owners of their own place one day. We are all comparing notes all the time. Oh, all the time. So we, I'm sure we talked about it before I had my place. We talked about it after I had my place. We're just like, oh yeah. Oh, just I initially wanted
2: to come here, here and open a, a, a authentic Mexican cuisine place. Right. That was that was yeah. the dream, though. That and, was the dream. And there's
0: yeah. there's still room. <laughs> like there's I still not. Really
2: I, it's going to take a while yet. before I open a restaurant again. Sure. I'm not saying you if should do I that tomorrow. To. I right. Used to, I used to find. I used to think that, especially you know, I'm 47 now that you as you get older, you need to have that definition. You know, it's like, I'm now a bar owner. And you know, now I'm like, no, I don't necessarily need that. You know, I think it's kind of the same way when I got rid of the actor moniker, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, I was very relieved to just say, no, I'm just a bartender now. Right. You know, I feel the same way. I don't need to, I'm not saying I never will yeah. or any of that, but um, but I don't need that title anymore. Yeah, you know? I, and I thought I did for a long time.
1: I, I came to that realization earlier, and like you know, you you actually you know, Kim always coming to my aid and everything like that. You mm-hmm. were we we got lunch at um. Masarepa's. Yeah, that was Olande. delicious. It was really great. and It's a really fun restaurant. I'm glad they seem to be doing pretty well. Yeah. He said before. There was a notice that they're closing. I, mean, I know, I know. <laughs> that's <laughs> what with the climate we're in nowadays. Yeah. I hope not. I mean, that I place is not. pretty legit. I hope not. That was legit, really, really tasty. food. But um I, I was just in like, you know, really bad point. I was drinking a lot, I really wasn't happy with my job. And, you know, that kinda got the gears turning my head a little bit about, you know, what is going to make me happy? Like, is it chasing this title? Is it being like in charge of the world yeah. and everything like that? It's like not not particularly, like, you know, it's just like I am a good bartender. I enjoy yeah. bartending. I like the mechanics, I can go home at night. Typically, with like, you know, thinking I've done a good job, Yeah, you know, I mean, the tip bucket is always the perfect indicator of how good of a job you've really done. Absolutely. You know, it's just it's more fulfilling for me to have that customer in action and like, you know, help shape people's like experiences in a place like and you can't really do that as a manager completely. Like there's no, you become a bit of a you have middlemen who do that job for you and you do your best to shape them in your image. But still, like, you know, you, you stress out a lot about just the fact that you're not completely in control of There's everything, between, yeah. yeah,
2: and and you find yourself you're basically playing whack a mole with problems yeah. constantly. You I know? mean, straight um, up, I mean, I love it's like you know you got this one, and then and then this pops up that you have to take care of. And right now, there used to be a oh God, God. My grandfather used to say this all the time. It drove me crazy as a kid. Um, that he'd say, you know, poor planning on your part does not constitute an, emer- uh, constitute an emergency on mine. Yeah. But that's not true in a restaurant. You know, if somebody (laughs) fucks up, you still have to take care of it. It's always an emergency, you know? And, um, and it just, it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure. Um, and when you, and you know this from owning a business, you were handling people's lives, their livelihoods, and that's Mm -hmm. a very serious thing. And, um, and you want to do right by them, you know?
0: Uh, do you think it would have been different because we talked we talked for years and it was always the the authentic Mexican restaurant the other yeah. Mexican restaurant and then you got this opportunity did you think it might be a springboard that would allow you to eventually do the thing that you really wanted to do do you think it might have been different if you actually had been able to make the authentic Mexican restaurant work
2: I think it depends because um I think it depends on what kind of partnership and what kind of um contracts and investments and all that kind of stuff, how that actually works. Um, I was really hoping that three muses would be something in which we could have three muses in different cities. You know, I thought it was something that we could very much, you know, and that's why this was, you know, our noble experiment, Mm -hmm. you know, to see if we could replicate it in different, um, cities that have a music industry, which actually limits it a good bit, you know? Mm -hmm. Um,
0: I could still see it being replicatable on a a strip that's known for music. I think one of the reasons that it, that didn't necessarily, I mean, there were probably a million. We can million get into reasons. more of so, yeah, them yeah. if you want. You yeah, know. yeah, of course. Uh, but what, but that people go to Frenchman to listen to music. Absolutely. And, and to eat and drink fancy food while they're doing it. Not, uh, exactly. Or, uh, so they just th- didn't come to that that w- Uptown for it. Yeah, that's not why people yeah. are on, what was it, Maple?
2: Uh, yeah, on Maple no, Street. That's not yeah. why people go
0: to Maple. No. That's, that's you know, it's college bars. College and, bars,
2: you know, it's, you know, TJ Quills and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there has to be that spot. I, I went sure. to those spots in college. Yeah, nothing wrong know, Everything with that, smells that like vomit existed. and girls' tears. But I think if you, you, know?
0: you were, maybe, but, but perhaps the same the same concept over on the other side of Carrollton, over by Oak Street. Maybe they maybe that, that could be that could be a
2: different story. Yeah, now, you know? it, it, we were hoping to uh, service um, all the people who never came to Frenchmen. Because it was getting more touristy, and you know, it was just like it was kind of a running joke that I would never cross I 10. And there are people who do it on the opposite side, refuse to cross I 10. And we thought it was going to work, and it just simply didn't, you know, yeah. for multiple reasons. But I think that location for that concept was probably the main thing. And music's expensive, yeah. It's, mm. it's they musicians deserve to be paid and all that, but you have to. You have to be able to make sure that you're selling enough food and drink to be able to support that. We weren't. We we, we, we couldn't get that done. Yeah. 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 No, I that's
1: that's prospecting is the big thing. We've we, we had a whole episode that we talked about it.
2: Yeah, I heard part. that one. That was really good. Yeah. Well, so. th- well, thank you so much. You <laughs> a faithful listener on our show Absolutely. at the moment. Absolutely. Subscribe, now, everyone.
1: <laughs> now, where are we at with the current New Orleans bar and restaurant scene? Um. What, what? I mean, we were talking a second uh, a second ago about just this term bubble, which I hate. I don't yeah. think it's bubble. It's market expansion, contraction. Like you know, it's a natural ebb and flow of like. It's a reflection of the economy. It's a reflection of people moving to New Orleans and outside of New Orleans, and you know, perceived supply and demand, and all. It's complicated. Right. It's very complicated. But if you had to boil it down, where do you think we are as a as a as an industry at the moment?
2: Huh, that's a that's a big one. Um, And it is tricky. And I, uh, you know, after we were just talking about that term bubble, which I now believe I've misused for a long time. um, I think it was also tricky, at least for us as well as uh, election years, there's usually a dip in retail and uh, going out because you just keep hearing people screaming economy 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 and everybody you know starts you know hoarding like you know chipmunks you know and and not really going out and spending money as much Man, happens we, happens we, we every time guess, so, we've so. guessed
0: the treat. Uh, politics as a spectator
3: sport. Well, so we exactly. If you're, if you're in that year, spot, like, you I are I want to go see the results to come in. But go listen to
2: music and everything, it wasn't that type of thing. Right. So it, it depends on the bar. Um, but I think as far as the way the restaurants are happening here, I love that there's new talent here. I love that there's uh, more diversity in styles of restaurants, you know, like mm. uh, Mesa Repa, you know, um, thing, things of that nature. I think um, we've kind of painted of our, ourselves in a little bit of a hole um, in which um,
1: pay, we painted ourselves in a hole. Yeah, <laughs> in a I,
2: don't,
1: I don't know if that's a saying.
2: I don't know corner. It's corner. corner. Yeah, dug ourselves uh, um, dug ourselves a, dug ourselves yeah. a hole. Yeah, um, we, uh, we were talking about this a little earlier. Is it, you, it's almost impossible to open up simply a bar, um, and you have to in order to get that liquor license, you pretty much have to have a restaurant, which is hugely expensive. Um, labor wise, food cost wise, every single, any wise you can think of. And I think that's, uh, that's one of the reasons, you know, why we've had this proliferation. I think it would have been less, I think it would have been more successful if we allowed more places to open up as bars and not just restaurants. So you have a bar, let's go get a couple of drinks before going to the restaurant Mm -hmm. and all that. Now everything's a fucking restaurant, you know? Um, so I think that's one of the problems um but um and also uh Airbnbs sorry it's killing a lot of places it's killing the bywater right it's now it's killing that's- the bywater two places closed down um sadly because and they wanted to be that place that they wanted to be the neighborhood restaurant but it's not neighborhood anymore. It's Airbnbs, and they're coming there because they want to live like a local, but they're still going to the quarter. Yeah. They're still going you know, to all the usual suspects and not discovering what's in that neighborhood. And uh, I think that that's a new problem that um, we have to discover. Um, I suggest for anybody who wants to open up a restaurant – or um, or a bar, if you're lucky enough to get that type of license. Go on the Airbnb thing and see how many red dots are in that neighborhood to see if your concept is going to work, knowing that that's there.
1: Yeah. I don't think neighborhood full-service restaurant can function at all in a place that's heavily Airbnb. But
2: it's getting more and more like that yeah. everywhere. So that's what's terrifying. Yeah. So. I
0: think there may we might see uh, some contraction in the Airbnb market.
1: So Cole, what do you think about the current state of the restaurant and bar industry? I know, like it's a weird time to talk about this as well, since it is summertime, and summertime is always going to have its problems down here. It's a little sure, bit, yeah. yeah but we've a lost
0: maybe a dozen restaurants just in the past couple of months. More and than that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, you guys. What you said there were there were three others that closed the week that you guys closed same over week. Yeah, two the same night. That is. I want to say impressive. Yeah. But I think one of the when you see a boom, you're naturally going to see a bus cycle that follows it. Mm-hmm. That most of, a lot of places that if they're the first reno, you renovate a place and then turn it into something new, the first place that moves into a spot isn't necessarily going to be the one that sticks. We talked with yeah. uh, with Michelle when she was on and that she waited tables at Table 1. Which was where uh, uh, yeah. Coquette is now. And that was the living oh, wow. room. And then it was Table One. And then it was, I think, Takumi was the name of the Japanese Some restaurant that was there. Bar, yeah. And then everyone was like, oh, that location's cursed. And then Coquette moves in, and they're killing it. And they've been there yeah. for almost 10 right. years now. Yeah. And they, have, they don't look like they're going to slow down at all. And eventually, and also, you just. it might be find that the, the neighborhood right change changed
2: that needs that, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, they,
0: that's always what the neighborhood <laughs> needed. So, yeah,
1: the neighborhood. Well,
2: exactly. And so but the, Table you, One you was not attention. that
0: different a concept than Coquette, ultimately. Like, you're better owner operators, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think they were. Just, Maybe it was just yeah, better. Yeah,
0: no, no, no shade to table one. It was a fine place. Yeah, but,
2: right. Yeah, you know, it but coquette's great. Yeah. yeah, it's
1: and you know I might get a bit of backlash with this, but um, looking at the list of restaurants that closed, um, some of them are. A little sadder than others, but a lot of them, it's just like you know. I don't. I'm not surprised. I'm like I haven't been surprised by some closing. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that place is closed. Right, some places, right. it's just yeah. Just looking at the list, I'm not surprised by what has closed. Like some of them, like I'm just like okay, well, I thought that place would close. They stuck on around a little bit longer. Some of them, it's just like eh. I, I was. There's yeah. literally some restaurants. It's like oh my gosh, that place closed. I'm just like oh, I couldn't. I forgot yeah, they it's were like still some, open. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. of ways that you can I go agree.
0: wrong. It's like one of them is like oh, it's too niche. It's like that's a concept that's so narrow that I. You, there's no way that in a market this size you're going to find a big enough audience to sustain it. Yeah, and the other way that you go is just like it's uh, French. Like there's yeah, just no, it's there, like there's, oh, no, there's just nothing yeah, to distinguish yeah. it either. Yeah. It's like so, that, but no, there's just too many restaurants to not have a hook. Yeah. but if your hook I is agree. so narrow, so you got to be, you got to be broad, you got to be flexible. Um, you definitely think, have to be I think flexible. Yeah, to it. And, and the economy kind of t- tapered off. We were, we were in, a, in a period where New Orleans was grow, 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 grow for the ten yeah. years after Katrina, and now we're in a move where it's sort of t- it's t- it tabled. Yeah. yeah. So if yeah. people were looking at the market as a growth market for a long time and bas- basing all of their projections based all on the numbers that we would have been doing right. for the ten years after Katrina, ultimately that was never sustainable. Cool.
1: Well, uh, we're rounding up at about the end of our show at this point. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in once again to a round with Stephen Cole. Uh, we always like to catch our guests off guard with parting shots. Uh, since she is a listener, she probably knows that we do this already. But yeah, what, <laughs> I'm ready. What, what do we got, Kim? Give, us, give us your best parting shot, ma'am. Uh,
2: I think it's just uh, being humble. Um, everybody that you're going to be working with, whether they have more experience or less experience than you, you're going to learn something different from them, like a different way of shaking or this, that, and the other. Um, don't think that your way is the only way, and uh, be ready to step back and and uh, and also just, God damn it, be good to people you work with. You know, um, someday hopefully you guys will. I mean, everybody will be a mentor to somebody, and that's that's a something I take very seriously. I love my kids, and I want to make sure that they are successful as well. And um, it's something I take very seriously. And you, I think you can't do that unless they know you're not willing to ask them to do something you're not willing to do yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to show that you're not you're not. Oh well, I don't have to fill the ice wells or any of that kind of shit. So. Yeah, that's about it. So, cool.
0: yeah, I, I actually think that's a really good attitude to have as as an owner or a manager or anybody with a responsibility with a team that's working under you. That the
2: problem said at, at Three Muses, I'm very proud that we had pretty much the same staff open to close, even though we that, gave them impressive. about a month's notice that we were closing, and they stayed to the end. That's really you know. That was that really meant a lot to me. Yeah. And, so. I, but, and
0: people seem surprised when they come in here and they see me sweeping the floors or. Yeah polishing glassware. That is below you, Cole. you're the owner. What are you doing? The only thing I can do is I can't pick up dead roaches. You
2: don't.
0: The higher you get, you don't shed any of the responsibilities that you've had. Like if you ever, like you work, you start as a doorman, then you're a rack and then you're a bartender. Absolutely. And then you're a manager and then you're an owner. You don't stop being a doorman. You keep an eye on that door. Absolutely. Yeah, you've, you've been. You ever been a janitor? You will always be a janitor. You will always be a janitor. <laughs> yeah, it's like you. And so the job gets. In some, you just add more responsibilities. I agree. You never shed them, but if, at some level you have to. You can't do everything yourself. Yeah. You got to delegate. And even though I might be the best doorman we have, I shouldn't necessarily be where I spend all my time. No. But. You got to be willing to to jump in. You got to be willing to show everyone how you want them to be doing their job. Right. Because you will ultimately know. And also
2: be willing to listen if they have a better idea.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: You know, and Uh, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. so there's a lot of that.
1: Anyway, Steve, you got any parting shots? Yeah, definitely. Kim, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you Thanks, are honey. a huge mentor in my life. Oh, okay. I don't, know don't if you make know this, me cry so. and shit. We'll never go more than a couple of years without working at the same I place. I think so. <laughs> we're tied for life. I don't think. Uh, me and Kim have a little thing. Um, when I was working for her at Tivoli and Lee, uh, she had been working for a while on um her concept uh Damiana or her Mexican yeah. food concept and she had some people lined up and investors and you know it was a, it was always a work in progress and I remember picking up a shift at a uh, revolution, which I had worked at for a little while. Oh, that's right, I forgot about were, that. They were in a they were in a tough spot, and they needed somebody to fill in for a day for a shift. So I was like, "Cool, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll come and help you." I really like the psalm over there, so I was kind of doing her a solid. So at the end of the day, she was like, "Oh, you're not in the system anymore. Like, how do I?" I mean, I don't know if I could talk about this really, but like, it's like, "How do I pay you?" And I was like, "You know what? You guys still have a bottle of age Hirsch uh, fifteen. Uh, you have, oh yes, you still have your uh, bottle of age Hirsch fifteen year on the on the back bar, like you 16. Know, uh, 16, Pardon mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Uh, how about you just give me like." four ounces of that we'll call it squares
3: <laughs> oh no shit i didn't know that's how yeah. you got it
1: so uh i got that and uh, i know that's kim's favorite whiskey and for those who don't know it was a whiskey that at one point was 50 dollars a bottle and now it's probably like
2: no oh, it's in the it's in the 800s now Hey, no, it's in
1: the thousands. Is it it's in like, the thousand thousands now? Like 2,000 at least for a bottle. So it like, it's pretty crazy. This whole bourbon boom right. is pretty crazy. But it's Kim's favorite uh, whiskey, and I knew that. So I got a flask. I put it inside there, and I said, Kim, the minute you open up your restaurant, your thing, and you found your passion – we're going to drink this together. Yep. And uh, I, I never drank that with you at Three Muses. I don't know. It
2: never felt I n- quite no. right. Uh, it's still sitting on my shelf waiting no. for that day.
1: It never felt quite right. But that, yeah. it, it's sitting there. It's, uh, it may sit there forever. We don't know. One day. Who cares? We'll, we'll bust it open. We'll, we'll drink and a little and the old folks at home will be like, hey, yeah. <laughs> want
2: to start some trouble? <laughs> Shh,
1: there it is. Trouble with Kimberly Patton Brack here on Around with Stephen Cole. Once again, I am Steve Yamada. I'm T. Cole Newton. And we'll catch you next week. Cheers.